This is the Internet Ballers Podcast, episode 26. This is the Internet Ballers Podcast with your host, Michael Pasha, the show for internet entrepreneurs who want to learn how uncertainty and struggle turn into confidence and success. Welcome to the Ballers Circle. Thanks for listening and welcome to the Baller Circle. I'm Michael Pasha, the host of the Internet Ballers Podcast, and today I'm excited to welcome Calvin Wayman from Cobbs Media to the Baller Circle. Calvin is the founder of Cobbs Media, a social media strategy firm that helps people build powerful social media presences without dedicating their entire day to social media posts and interactions. He also is the founder of socialmediamakeover.org and the author of the book Fish Out of Water. Calvin, thank you so much for coming on the show. Thanks for joining the Baller Circle. How are you doing? Oh, man. Thank you for inviting me into the baller circle. I'm excited to be here. (laughs) Awesome. Awesome. So, Calvin, you just accomplished something that I think is amazing and that you talked a lot on Facebook. And now that I know it's it's over, I kind of wanted to talk about it a little bit. You you just completed a 50-miler. Um, I, I did. I'm glad you caught that. Yeah. So that is a, an amazing feat. So I've, I've done, let's say, four marathons so far. But the awesome. idea of upping that to, you know, doing a 50 miler has always been something that's terrified me because the, the marathons <laughs> have already been hard enough. Oh, you could totally do it because here's, <laughs> here's the dirty little secret. You're ahead of the game. You're more ahead of the game than I have. Before that, I had run exactly zero marathons oh, before. Wow. So I yeah so I went from the the farthest distance I ran officially contesting was like a half marathon and I wanted to challenge myself because I heard that it could be done just skipped the marathon and went right to the 50 That's awesome. Yeah. So what was the what was the training like? What how how did you decide I probably It's a huge leap. <laughs> it is a huge leap. So the what made me um do decide to do a 50 is when I first had the thought of of Entertaining the idea, I was like, there's no way anybody could ever do that. And I totally dismissed it. And then I read a book called The Miracle Morning by Hal Elrod. And I noticed in that book, he, uh, it's not even the point of the book, but Hal Elrod talks about how he went from hating running to running a 50-miler. And I, then I started, to, I started to analyze myself and go, huh, I totally dismissed it before because I thought it was impossible, but I noticed it was really myself that just dismissed it without even giving it a chance. And so then I asked, where else is that showing up in my life? Hmm. You know, where I don't even give something a chance, I just say, oh, that's impossible. That can't be done. And as soon as I realized that, I was like, I've got to give this a shot. If this guy, Hal Elrod, if Hal can do it, Cal can do it, right? <laughs> um, and so... I just decided it was a New Year's resolution 2016 goal to just give it a shot. And you asked about what the training was like. I probably should have trained a little bit better for it. Uh, But I basically just throughout the year worked out every single day, mostly cardio. And then near the end, I started doing 100% nothing but running. And I got up to 25 miles is it. So I got up to a 25-mile run and then – on race day, I doubled it. Really? Wow. Yeah. So that's that's something that like terrifies me because I know with, uh, and I won't go too much into this because I want to bore people who aren't interested in marathons <laughs> and training <laughs> and stuff, but the thing for me has always been, I know with marathon training, usually most training schedules that I look at will say like run like, you know, 18 miles or whatever, but yes. I always have to run the full distance, if not further, because yes. mentally, 
it it mentally lets me know I can do this on race day. Exactly. Right. And so you mentioned maybe people don't care about running, but really for this show it's perfect mm-hmm. because I did not run for the physical aspect of it. Mm-hmm. I ran it exactly for what you just said. I and this has been my whole entrepreneurial journey, especially over the last 18 months, and that is challenging myself and my mental barriers. Mm-hmm. Because if I can break through that, then I can know I can I can unlock other areas of my life and business. And so it's it was a it was a big thing. I honestly didn't know I could do it. I mean, up to the day I was scared for, I mean, I had a I was so scared the night before wondering if I was if I was going to do it. Uh a couple twists happened that I didn't couldn't have planned for. I thought that September was going to be the perfect month that wouldn't be too hot or too cold and it ended up snowing and raining <laughs> throughout the throughout the race um oh my gosh it and it i did a trail run and i thought it was mostly just going to be cool flat trails but it was all hiking so it was all up in the mountains so a, a ton of stuff but in the end i did it so That's it's awesome. cool to to break that mental barrier and and it's only been a little over a week so we're still going to see what the residual effects of it are <laughs> i love that i love that so uh, let's let's kind of dig into your business a little bit. I love that we kind of uh, talk about the limiting beliefs. We'll go back to that a little bit later in the show. But now okay. I kind of want to talk about your business. I mean, I know that recently, um, you know, you you have uh, Cobb's Media, but you recently went uh, full time with that, right? Is that is that is that accurate? Yeah. So I I quit my day job 18 months ago, mm-hmm. and just to give little benchmark snapshots throughout there, while I was do quit. When I quit my day job, I moved from Utah to Southern California to do door-to-door sales. ton of good stuff there. And while I was doing door-to-door, I was creating my own online stuff. I started with Periscope and in January started Cobbs Media. Mm-hmm. And um, I was kind of do, um, transitioning out of the door-to-door thing, going into my business full-time this year. And... It was July 1st, actually, the day my book came out, where right after I launched it, I went and knocked doors one more afternoon, and I was done forever. And so it's been since July 1st that I've been 100% in Cobb's Media and my own stuff. Nice, nice. I know that's like so many people's dream to finally be on their own, doing 100% of you know their, their own business. Uh, with with having no other kind of side hustles or anything else yep. going on. So let's talk about how did you get to that point? How, how did you, one, become uh, introduced to internet entrepreneurship? What was the path? Um, and, and then can you talk about, you know, some of the struggles and, and pivots and, uh, you know, things that didn't work out along the way? Yeah. One thing that I want to say, anybody listening to this, is just know how much of a regular dude I am. I mean, we kind of started on the wrong footing saying 50 mile races because then <laughs> people are automatically going to think superhuman but no i when i started i i was like everybody listening to this i just knew that i wanted freedom mm-hmm. and i was in a job that i was learning how to sell because i learned and knew that no matter what business i get into if i want to have freedom I need to be able to influence people in some way, whether that's to buy a product or to have a team that I need to to run. And so I was in sales. And like most people, I think, when they're 
when they're wanting freedom, they do side hustles to try to test things out. And I did a bunch of side hustles in my employee gig. The biggest side hustle is I got into network marketing. Hmm. And I loved that. I mean, it got me into kind of the, the space of personal development. And it also got me around other people that were also interested in creating their own thing. And that worked for a little bit, kind of. What it kind of what it did on the other side of the coin though is it tricked me into thinking that I was progressing faster than I really was. And what I mean by that is I knew I wanted to do something and so that was the thing that that made me think I'm just well I am going after it. it's just going to take time and then if I took a step back I was like, "Well, frick, I've been doing this for 5 years. I don't have a ton to show for it." And then one of the very best things that could have ever happened happened to me. And that was in January after I had had the most success I've ever had in network marketing. I loved it. was getting up a good residual income. That company went out of business. <laughs> oh, wow. And so my income was all of a sudden shot, cut in half, or not cut in half, cut to zero. And after that happened, I then got to have another come to Jesus moment with myself and be like, what am I going to do? And a month later, I quit my day job before I knew what I was going to do next. Hmm. Now, that's an, a story in and of itself, but what I just came to is I knew I wanted freedom. I knew I wanted to have my own thing. But the thing that ate at me was, what if I wake up 10 or 20 years down the road and I'm 35, 40, 45 years old, and I'm in the exact same place, like in an employee job, and I haven't done anything. Or worse, what if the fire inside of me that I have to create an internet business or to create freedom for myself and my family, what if that feeling, that desire dies? Hmm. What if what if I wake up and it's gone and I just am fooling myself and I'm one of one of these people that have thrown away their life and just settle for mediocrity and and then become cynical and say oh all these dreamers they don't know what reality is like like <laughs> the fear the fear of me turning into that and that fire inside of me dying that was such a big fear that that is what actually sm swallowed all of these smaller fears that everybody has when they want to start their own business. Like, what if it doesn't work? What if I fail? What if I don't have the support I need from my family? What if uh, other people think I'm a loser? What if I have to go back and beg my job back to have my job? Like, all those things. I had all those little fears, but that fear swallowed them. Hmm. To the point, and I was like, I've got to at least give it a shot. See, that is so powerful because I feel like everybody who has a powerful success story always has a really gripping why, right? Some reason that allows them to be able to overcome any obstacle, anything someone throws in their face, any sort of doubting, any sort of limiting belief. You got to have some really, really powerful why. So you have a reason yes. to, to overcome, you know, the, the inevitable obstacles. So... Yes. Um, was that was that why always there? Did it develop over time? Was there? Here, are there there's things something. You do to cultivate there, it? there is such a critical, uh, critical point to be made right here on the why because 
I was learning about having a powerful why. And most of the information that's out there on why or the advice on why is to have something that is so powerful that and so positive that it pulls you out of the funk and the negativity. Mm-hmm. Like having the a, a great car and a big house and all this freedom. Those are all positive whys. And I had those and those were the things that even made me do the, the side hustles that I did. But notice what actually got me to quit my job. It wasn't anything very rosy. Mm-hmm. It was a bigger fear. It was something more negative that swallowed the other negative. And I think this is important because uh, I, I don't think it always has to be positive. So to answer your question, have I always, I've always had some direction and vision and why where I wanted to go. But the why I got about the idea of waking up 10 to 20 years later was fairly late. It's when I finally got that where I realized time's ticking. I'm now in my late 20s. I haven't created what I wanted to create yet. What if this just keeps going and I'm 30, 35, 45? Um, then, then what? And it was the fear of waking up, like I said, and it being the exact same or worse that I didn't even care anymore. That is what, is what got me to say, you know what? I'm going to at least die trying. I've got to give it a shot. I've got right. to. It became more important to try and more noble to try than to, than to do it and worry about failing. I was willing to fail because that was better than saying – than regretting that I wasted all those years. Hmm. That's awesome. I, I think in that you, know, you, you make another good point there because I, I know that I've heard so many times that people will – and I think it's very true – that people will do more – to avoid pain than they will to gain pleasure. And, yeah. you know, like you just said, you're, you, you have these other whys. You want to make, you want freedom, you want to make money, you want a car, you want, you know, whatever. But it was really the pain, the, the, the pain that you wanted to avoid. It was one pain that was bigger than another pain that, exactly. that really got you there. And I think that that's something important for people to do is, like you said, not only focus on positive things, but maybe there's something negative. Maybe there's a bigger pain than yeah, what you're what's, afraid of. Yeah, what happens? What's going to happen if you don't take action, mm-hmm. right? Don't, don't just worry about the, 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 the pain that you're going to get from moving forward. What's the pain that will be inevitable if you don't? Right. That's right. something to think about. Yeah, that's awesome. I like that. Yeah. Um, so, so – you know, you had you had the failure of your network marketing business that fell apart. The company went away. You know, you were kind of, I'm sure, devastated by that. Um, so then, let's let's move forward. How did how did you get to the point where you were able to start your own social media company? One thing that helped quite a bit is I knew that I needed to really challenge myself and do something that would help me. In, no matter what I ended up getting into. And so while I was searching for the business that I should do or the thing I was really passionate about, I moved to Southern California to do door-to-door sales. Mm. And the only reason I did that was to, to, to gain like mental strength uh, because I had somebody tell me that if you could do door-to-door, you could do probably pretty much anything. If I didn't do door-to-door, I can tell you right now, I would not have run 50 miles last weekend. Hmm. Um, it was doing that and, and developing – it was what put me on the path to handling this mental toughness. And there was so much adversity that came from that. And I tell people all the time, I hated every single day. <laughs> 
and I wouldn't have traded it for anything. And I did it for about a year and year and a half. Uh, but I again, I don't know if if it can be overstated that some things just aren't always pretty. We're told to follow our passion on our purpose, which I believe you have to have your purpose to go after. But sometimes I think when you're an entrepreneur getting started, you think you're suppo- it's supposed to start out feeling good. Mm-hmm. I don't think it always does. And that's what, because I did that, because I got into door to door, that's what led me to something that I'm in now that I'm more passionate about, which is the internet stuff. Mm-hmm. So I started that business because I, in Southern California, I had then gotten around other entrepreneurs, other people that were growing their business online and other people that were just aiming higher. Um, I ended up hiring a business coach that for me at the time was the equivalent of me buying two cars. <laughs> and that was another big leap that was very uncomfortable, but I was like, I'm serious and I want to show the universe I'm serious. I'm going to do this. And so having a business coach guide me um, and because I put that money down, it also made me feel – it also caused more pain to not take action hmm. when I knew I needed to get up that day and take action. I couldn't be like, oh, I just want to wait. And I was like, no, I just put this big investment down and the only way I'm going to pay that back is if I freaking get off my butt and get moving. So that was another thing that got me going. And then just experimenting, I started with Periscope. Um, I like That's where I got known for the first time. I wrote an article for Entrepreneur Magazine about Periscope. Uh, I don't know if you know Ty Lopez, but he was one of the first people that bought my Periscope Pro course oh, nice. um, that I had. And, and I then started to realize the reason I like Periscope is because I like things that are new and that are cutting edge. What is more changing than social media? There's always a new platform or there's different tactics that come around. And so I was like, I want to do something around social media. Hmm. And so that's when in January, I decided that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to put my focus for my business to be totally social media because since I want an internet business, that's where the social media, that's where social media lives anyway, right. is on the internet. So as long as I have my cell phone and an internet connection, then my business is golden. Awesome. So that's what led me into that. Nice. Thanks for sharing that. So uh, I think a lot of people, and I know I've struggled with this myself, uh, you know, you have your... Uh, creating courses on social media. How did you become an expert so you can get to the point where you could create the course? Um, for my, It's actually more of a service than a course. Mm-hmm. Um, but the answer is probably unconventional because when I had, a, when I had my Periscope course, it's the same thing. Uh, I sold it before I created it. Hmm. Uh, I was learning about Periscope, and I knew more than most people when I had a course there. But before I even created a course, I found somebody that wanted to buy it, and I got act- – and I, this was something that I learned from my entrepreneurial mentors. They're like, don't create something if you don't know people are going to buy it yet. Hmm. So I actually sold it first before I even spent a second developing it. Okay. When I got my first social media client, I – sold them and got a client before I even created the package of what I was going to do for them. Hmm. And what that did is it validated my idea, but what it also did 
is you find out what it is they actually want. Right. Why would you go create something that you that you think you're just guessing that this is what customers want? This is what most people do. They think they know exactly what the customer wants. They create it, and nobody wants it. Mm-hmm. And you spend so much time creating something, and you waste so much energy, and then you spend 80% of your time on something that's 5% of the – it's a 5% feature. But when you have an actual customer that paid you money for something – then it it forces you to just laser focus on the most important things and you build those. Hmm. So that's what got me moving in both cases for my course and my social media service. I sold first, got the clients first, and then moved forward. So that brings up two interesting topics. So okay. the first one is when you were talking about your your coach where you laid down all this money, you hired this coach, you spent the equivalent of you know buying two cars. I yeah. think that's very scary for a lot of people, right? Putting it down sure all that is. kind of money. So, and and honestly, for me, I think it was for me too. I think the scary part is not just the 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 quantity of money, but uh-huh. it's also how do you know that this person is not just going to rip me off, right? How do you no. identify the right person to give you know two cars to and and not? <laughs> you don't. In fact, there's a lot of mind. You can you can you can make it one way or the other. If you want it to be like holy crap, I got screwed. You can <laughs> you can come up with a way to justify that too when you when you give that much money. Right. This is how I did it. The, literally the week before, I I came across a new concept that I've been guided by. That has guided all of the decisions I've made and has given me some courage to step forward in anything I do. And I realize it's what I did when I quit my job. And didn't realize it. So many people know the answer. They know the action to take, at least the next action. Mm -hmm. For example, people know, like I knew, that I didn't want to be an employee. But guess what I was doing? I was getting up every day and punching a clock at 9 a.m. and leaving at 5. Mm -hmm. Right? Why does that? Why do people do that? It has no it makes no effing sense. It didn't make any sense of why I did it. The only thing that held me back was fear. Right? And then I learned a concept that – and one of the fears we have is we fear messing up. Mm-hmm. We fear making the wrong decision. Like you said, what if you hire somebody and they're not the right decision? Or what if you decide to go down one passion path and it's the wrong passion path? Like the fear of that. What if you go after something that you think is the next big thing and it's not and you waste all that time? You have all those fears, right? But I learned that the most successful people in the world, this is the concept, the most successful people in the world don't worry if they made the right decision or not. Hmm. Instead, they make a decision and then they make it right. Okay. Okay? I talk about this in my book. I'll go deeper in this. So you don't worry if you made the right decision or not. Instead, you make a decision and then make it right. When I was making the, the, trying to make the decision to move, from Utah to Southern California, I can't tell you how stressful it was, how much anxiety of like, is this the right move? My whole family's in Utah. No, nobody's ever moved to California, if, if my entire family, for decades, ever. And so I was like, should I really do this? Should I stay here? Should I try to start a business in Utah? Should I, like, to give you an idea how much anxiety I had, in one week time, I lost 10 pounds. Wow. <laughs> so I was waking up in cold sweats. I was freaking out of my mind. And that concept is what helped me 
get some stability and move forward in anything I did. Mm -hmm. Successful people don't worry about making the right decision. They make a decision and then make it right. What that means is the point of decision is not where the magic happens. The magic happens in what you do after the decision is made. It's the focus you put on that decision after. We create our own self-fulfilling prophecy based on what we do after the decision is made, not at the point of decision. There's this corny example I give in a book. I was like, let's say two people get married, and Joe isn't sure if he should have married Sally. He's not sure. Maybe he should have married Betty, or maybe he should have married Michelle. What's he going to do, right? He's going to look at a bunch of other women and be like, maybe she was the one I should have married. Maybe, maybe so-and-so should have. What's going to happen with Joe's and Sally's relationship? It's inevitably going to fall apart, right? right. And then he's going to say, you know what? I guess I made the wrong decision there. Mm-hmm. Right. Or look at it the other side. Let's say Joe marries Sally, and he, since he made the decision, it's going to be the right decision, period. He puts all of his focus on her. He looks at all the things he loves about her, not the things he doesn't. And he's focused on, on building them up. The inevitable outcome of that relationship is they flourish. Mm-hmm. And at the end of the day, he says, looks like I made the right decision. <laughs> Here's the point. At the point of the decision, nothing is different mm-hmm. in either of those situations. The only thing that's different is how he behaves after the decision is made. Right. This gives you so much tremendous freedom when this clicks. Because when I decided to give over that much money for a coaching program – I was freaking out before, but then, I, but when I did, I was like, "I did it! I'm gonna make it right." There's no going back. There's only moving forward. Like I'm gonna work my face off to make it right. I'm gonna um, when things are tough and I and it looks bad, I'm still gonna do look fine for the good to make this right, so that at the end of the day, I can say I made the right decision and I knew that I was in control of whether it was the right decision based on what I did after. And just so that you know, the end of the story here. In 2015, I was in the most debt of my entire life because of that investment, because of student loans, car loans, credit card debt, all those things. And I have been in debt my entire adult life um, ever since I got my first credit card when I was 18. Mm-hmm. This year, on the first day of spring, it's new beginnings in many ways than one, more ways than one. And on that day, it was a new beginning for me as well because I became, on that day, officially debt-free for the first time in my entire adult life. Nice. After the biggest deep in debt before. And I give credit to that concept because not only did I I invest in myself, but after I made the decision, I was going to make it right. Don't worry if you made the right decision or not. Worrying is just wasted energy Mm -hmm. um, if you made the right decision or not. Take the decisions you've already made and make it right. I love that. That is awesome. Yeah, I really, really like that. Because you're absolutely right. Your attitude about the decision uh, totally dictates how you're going to act and how you're going to act dictates the results you're going to get. Yeah, you'll create a self-fulfilling prophecy either way. If you're just kind of worrying if it's the right thing and you're kind of going one or the other, then you're not going to be jumping in with the full force that you need to to take the actions that you need to 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 have the success you're after so 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 let me ask you i will ask you this one qualifying question 
Okay. Do you have any criteria for, let's say someone's out there and they're trying to figure out how, to, how to hire a mentor, right? Absolutely. I, I assume that you wouldn't just say, throw a dart on the board of a list of coaches. No, and no, 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 no. What criteria no, no, would no. you use to pick someone? Um, most coaches have events mm-hmm. that they do. So I would attend events. Um, you can find any of their videos because they're a coach. Because they, I mean, if when they're a coach, the only way they get clients is if people know them, and so they usually get known through social media, through online videos or events. And almost all of the business coaches I know have their own events. So if you go to an event, you're going to see who they are and how they resonate. And that's what I did. I went to this event. His name's Nick Unsworth of Life on Fire, and. In the first day, like in the first morning of just hearing him talk, I first found him online, found him do a YouTube video interviewing Gary Vaynerchuk. And in the first half of that morning, I said, I want to hire him. (laughs) I don't know how much he's going to – I didn't even know he had a coaching program. Mm -hmm. I didn't know he did mentoring, but I'm like, I want to hire him. I went to the back of the room at the break and asked somebody, hey, I want to hire him. What do we got to do? Mm -hmm. And she said, oh – He's actually going to do an offer tomorrow. Um, can you wait? And I was like, okay, sure. And I missed his entire offer even. Like I was out at lunch, had a late lunch with somebody, and I just walked in the room, missed all the stuff, and I just went to, was the first person in the back and said, okay, let's do it. Mm-hmm. Because I knew that I, I, had, I had committed. I had already left Utah. I was in Southern California. I was committed to building a business for myself and – the uh, there's this weird saying that I also got from a from a mentor around that time that says doing is better than don'ting like mm-hmm. always doing something is better and so I was like well if I don't do this what am I going to do and the answer was nothing <laughs> so I was like well I need to be doing something anyway because if I'm just staying if I'm doing nothing then I'm just standing still and so I just jumped in do instead of don't and and. Yeah, it was it was no looking back. Mm. It was scary all the way up to it, but when it came to the point where I already handed over the credit card, it was done, and I was going to do everything I could to make it work. Awesome. So I know you're uh, married and you're a father. Did you mm-hmm. did you one? I guess did you have any resistance uh, from your wife on that financial decision? Such a good question because mm-hmm. I get it a lot. Yeah. I have been very fortunate to have one hundred percent support because my wife knew me from the very be- I mean we were married for I guess 3 years up almost 3 years up to this point when I finally um went full time my own business and before that we were always having conversations that this is not the 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 long term game and we we did not believe in doing things because you had to mm-hmm. um for example she actually quit her job before I did hmm. because we wanted we knew that it would be better for her to be a stay-at-home mom than to have my son our son Archie in daycare mm-hmm. or being babysat all the time and at the time when we made that decision we didn't know if we were going to if we had the money financially but we didn't not want to have fear guiding the things we did mm-hmm. so we were like well the right decision is to raise our son and we're going to figure out a way after that and so that's kind of how we've guided all of the decisions. Um, the only reason to that it would be a financial scare is if we were letting fear dictate us. I needed to invest in myself. I needed to have some guidance. Um, 
And it's not sunshine and roses even now. I mean, I my business is growing, but it needs to keep growing um, for me to sustain the lifestyle I have now. And whenever it come, when push comes to shove, I just do my best to get still and make sure I'm making a decision based on what my heart says and what makes actual sense and not out of fear, uh, right? Nice. And that is what made me actually leave Utah because I have bef- after, before I decided to do door-to-door, I actually looked at a bunch of other network marketing businesses that I was considering joining. But, and I liked 99% of everything I heard from all these different t- top leaders in the industry. But there was that 1% of, I, I made a deal with myself, I wasn't going to join out of fear, meaning of missing out mm-hmm. or this company because it has a better comp plan and what if I don't make as much money if I join another one, right? It was going to be 100% coming from my heart and what I want to do because if it starts there, then I think through the hardship, if you get through it, then you love it way more. And that is becoming so true 18 months later. Awesome. Just this, this whole journey, um, all the struggle becomes so much more worth it when, it's, when, when you stuck to your guns and you made decisions based on your purpose and your value and not based on fear. Hmm. That's awesome. I love that. So you, you. Uh, well, I mean, your story is really powerful. You, you have so much great advice. I'm also curious to know, like, what kind of schedule are you keeping? What kind of sleep do you get? <laughs> Good sleep. Um, it's so funny you say this because I've been really, really focused on having a solid, what I call um, structure to my day. Uh, and one of my structures is I like to get up at 5 a.m. Not, not like to, but I, I, that's what I want to do is to get up in the five o'clock hour. Cause I used to be somebody that would sleep in t- nine, 10 o'clock in the morning all the time when I was at my employee job. Um, but lately I've been a little bit lax on that and I've been getting up more in the six and seven o'clock hour. So I've just come back to that just recently and I'm now getting up in the five o'clock hour again because I've noticed when I have a solid structure, like and and what i mean by structure is there's non-negotiables that are in my day that i do no matter what and even the most important tasks of that day are done secondary to the structure so some of those things are getting up early and one of the best secrets to a good morning routine is a good night routine mm-hmm. so that means going to bed at a good time so non-negotiable, getting up in the five o'clock hour. Another non-negotiable, meditating. Something that got me through all the stress and anxiety of doing door to door. Doing check or looking at my goals. Um, sometimes doing affirmations, but just getting centered at the beginning of the day with what I actually am about and what I want to create. And then working out. Uh, this has been. Very important for me to get solid and it gives me so much confidence that I have had a consistent uh, habit of working out every single day. Everything flows from that. And then at the end of the day, I journal. So that's the structure and everything goes in that structure. Uh, from the most important things to like I've, I'm doing my audio book right now for my book. That's a very important thing. I'm aiming to have it done tomorrow before my Entrepreneur on Fire interview comes out on Thursday. <laughs> but, but even as, as important as that is, 
meditating is more important or journaling is more important because I know that if I have that structure in place, it just makes me feel more certain and I'm ultimately more productive long term. Awesome. Well, Calvin, thanks a lot for coming on the show. I really appreciate the time. Uh, I want to know before we close out, how can the Baller Circle get in touch with you and learn more about your business? Oh, the, the very best way is to just search. You can find me at CalvinWomen.com. You mentioned I'm the founder of uh, SocialMediaMakeover.org. I'm actually giving something away there right now where we'll completely make over your social media for free. So you can find me there too at SocialMediaMakeover.org. Otherwise, on any social platform, uh, on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Snapchat, uh, Google, any articles, you can find me just by searching Calvin Wayman. Awesome. Thanks a lot, Calvin. I really appreciate it. Hey, Michael. Thank you so much. And good luck to the ballers on here uh, in the baller circle. Best of luck to you. And go create the life that you want to live. Thanks for listening to the Internet Ballers Podcast. Through our guest stories, you will learn the path to go from struggling entrepreneur to internet baller. We'll see you on the next episode.